Hot X Factor. I'm sitting here with Buddy Hawkins, and uh, we're going to bring Buddy on to do some coaching as well as a, a lot of a lot of things with X Factor. And what we wanted to work on first is winning and uh, and how to win and and what comes into winning. And and that's essentially what we're trying to do with X Factor is give you training videos to help up your game. And uh, and one thing Buddy talks about that I love, and he's dives into it really deep for himself, and it's something he's lived by is the mental aspects and the mental game, and how to essentially teach your mind how to win and how to train your mind how to become a winner. So, Buddy, first of all, thank you, and I'm excited about this. Uh, but let's talk about that. Let's uh, you know what what is a winner to you? That's a great question, Pace, and and. Uh... You know, I think there's I think there's a winner in everybody. First of all, um, I think everybody has they have that opportunity, and, and you know we've had the opportunity to do a little bit of work together already. And when we go talking about what winning is, um, and to me, winning is is probably easily enough summed up by perspective. You know, and it's identifying success um, in a task or in a way of life or or in in yourself, and so. If we back that off a notch and we're talking about, you know, what is winning at the Bob Feist Invitational or what is winning during a season, because um, the, the fact is every season has more lose, losing events than it actually has successful events. And many times you'll go to an event and you'll see as much wrong with your performance as you do right, yet you, you still end up winning at, at that event. Um, so the big thing to me when it comes to what what winning is and how I can identify that is I have to look at what I actually have control of. What do I show up the day of the event and have control of? Well, I have control of whether I enter the event or not. If I don't enter the event, then I can't win, obviously. I have, I have control of my rope, I have control of my horse, and then the biggest thing when it comes to winning is if I have control of my mind. And many times we'll show up at an event and there'll be ropers there who have excellent horsemanship and excellent horses and they use the absolute best rope um, but that particular competitor does not does not have control of his mind he can't control his emotions so maybe he has three partners and in round one he goes six flat six five six flat so he set up pretty good out of roping and in round two maybe it's a bad handle maybe the steer falls down something like that but he gets a leg on the first one well he still has his six five and his six flat remaining but he gets so emotional and so caught up in the error that he made that he allows that error to essentially bleed over into other things. Sometimes it's really totally out of our control. Um, sometimes there's a bad judgment call or, or the clock. You know, I don't have control of the clock. I don't have control of the flag. I don't have control of the payoff. So sometimes we'll show up at an event and we'll feel like we roped really good for the steers that we drew, but we'll come up in fourth or fifth place at an event that pays three. At the end of the day, what we actually have control of, the physical things, those are our best option for our focal point, and that's our biggest opportunity for success. When we go to practice, I believe this wholeheartedly, that the reason there are so many people that are so much more successful in the practice pen, and what I mean is, you show up at, at practice and you'll rope awesome, and you go to the event and you may not perform at your best, and you're like, what the heck's wrong with me when I leave home? You know, Why am I a different roper? What's the difference? Is it the cattle? Is it the arena? More often than not, it's not the cattle or the arena. It's not that our rope feels different on that day or that our horse doesn't perform when he leaves, but it's the way that we visualize that stuff. So at home, you may see your start and you may come riding across there as hard as you can on the running office steer that you have and you take him to the three-quarter mark of the arena and you head him and you handle him perfect and you get him healed and you're like, yes, successful run. Whereas you were probably 7-7 seven, seven, and maybe at an event there's a loper, a loper, a loper. You have the runner, you run him halfway and you're like, son of a gun, everybody else is turning him in the first half. So now you abandon all preparation that you had from home you start to extend and make up time or attempt to make up time by reaching, thereby changing your handle, changing your finish, and changing everything else. And maybe you miss the cow, maybe your healer gets a leg, or vice versa on the heel side. We'll show up at an event and guys go six flat, six five, five five, six flat. And then you have a runner and your guy takes him to the three quarter mark and you crossfire or you happen to heal him and lose a leg or whatever happens trying to adjust. My point there, Pace, is that I feel like in, in our game where we have to identify our successes is in 
our planning and our execution of the plan. So if I set myself up at the event and I'm riding my horse X, that horse is a really free runner. He needs a little bit of space. He's a pretty good finisher. I need to make sure coming through the corner that that horse has adequate space, that he's not lapping up on the cow where I'm having to really pick up on him and then put him back down. And I have to make sure I'm going the same speed as the cow when I heal him so that I can get the finish that I want. He can give me the separation off of my delivery and I can heal the steer and dally and finish the run. And I may do that all day long and win zero dollars. But if I go back and I evaluate the fundamentals, I evaluate the plan that I had when I got there, and I accomplish that, I almost never win zero dollars. But what almost guarantees a loss is if I show up at the event and I have a plan, I have a physical plan for execution for the day, and I start with my plan, and I start watching someone else, the runs that they're making, the pace of the roping, whatever it is, and I change it on site. What that does is it takes all of the preparation that I put in for that event and throws it out the window, and now I'm improv for the rest of the day. I'm just rolling through the motions, hoping that my hand-eye coordination and reaction are gonna pull off this win at the end of the day. And then if I do win the event, technically I lost, because I took everything that I had done and I backed it off to where now I have minutes of preparation, not hours, not days, not years, but minutes invested in that. So if it worked, now tomorrow I'm going off those few minutes of preparation that worked the day before. And if I stick to that for years and it continues to work, maybe I got lucky and that worked. But in my mind, in answer to the question, to condense it just slightly, is in my mind winning is planning the work and working the plan. We go to the practice pen with goals in mind. I want to improve on this, I want to improve on this, I want to improve on that. And if I'm able to do that in practice and then I'm able to take it to the roping and execute it at a high percentile, that's winning. And that in turn ends up over the course of a year being a large payoff. Almost without exception in our event, the guys who catch the most years at the end of the season go to the circuit finals, go to the Ram circuit finals, go to the national finals. And you invert that, the guys who catch the fewest years almost always come up just short of what they what they deserve so to speak at the event so i think what's really unique about this is we're talking about there's so many things that go into preparation you know we've got our groundwork our horses how we're working on specific things so what are some ways that uh, you're gonna like you'll train yourself and work on training your mind and, and preparing like starting with the ground or starting with the horse and, and how do you do that? Man, I, I, I love that and, and there's been studies done on the mental side of competition and without fail once you reach a certain level and what I love about by reaching a certain level whatever level you're at a high percentage of your game is going to be mental it's going to be going through a chain of thoughts that prepare you for the event. And whether you're a number three roper or you're a number 10 roper, whether you're roping in the beginner's roping or you're roping in the open roping, you're gonna go through a chain of thoughts that will lead you to rope at your best or not, or to come up short. And so back to where you're at with the, with the procedure for success is I back that off and I draw up scenarios on the machine every time I rope the machine. I draw up scenarios on my groundwork. Every time I'm on the groundwork, I'll run the high teamer at the BFI or I'll run the last one to make the national finals rodeo. And then I even take it back a step further than that. You know, when we put 50 to 70,000 miles a year on our trucks, if all we're doing is, is covering miles, um, we're wasting thousands of hours in the vehicle um, so so I'll go through and and I'll I'll study my videos and stuff not while I'm driving but I'll study my stuff and then I'll go through and I'll actually take it a step back and emulate there's been studies done where they took a, a group of similar level basketball players and they put them in a dark room and they put headsets on them and they had them emulate shooting three-pointers 
for 30 minutes a day for 30 days. And then they took another group and they put them in the room, in a dark room, for 15 minutes and gave them 15 minutes to practice shooting three-pointers. They emulated for 15 and they shot for 15. They took another group, all these guys are similar players, and they put them on the court for 30 minutes shooting three-pointers. At the end of the deal, the guys who emulated, now these are guys who know how to play basketball. I'm not saying that I can sit in a dark room. The guys who emulated shot just as good as the guys who spent 30 minutes on the court. So the amount of time that we spend consciously thinking about the areas we want to improve and the areas that we want to execute is so important. You know, there's a quote, positive thinking doesn't always work, but negative thinking almost always does. And I believe that very much. So I'm not sitting out there emulating how not to lose legs, but I'm emulating on how I can get my rope to close on the legs. I'm emulating on how I can be going the same speed as the steer as I come through the corner. And I'm not imagining the happy hopper who's loping through the clouds just doing, doing, doing. But I'll imagine the one where my header happens to miss the barrier a little bit at a tough rodeo. He's got to throw his whole rope, his rope slides a little, he double grabs at the knot and that steer washes out and comes out of there like this. Um, if you never imagine that, if you never practice that, then expecting to do it in competition is, is crazy. You know, we're not going to improve by practicing only the easy stuff all the time. Um, I've, I've said it before and, and take it with a grain of salt, but you know, if I was going to have the loper and a perfect handle every time, I could quit practicing. It's not that steer that I'm having trouble with anymore. In the practice bin, headers are always like, oh man, sorry about that when they don't give me the best spin. And I'm like, that's what I show up for. I heal all these good spins so that you can surprise me with the one bad one. And that's the one that matters. And so to put all that together, Pace, I think it's so important that we start thinking our, our, our success and then we work on it on the ground and then we go to the machine and then we go to the slow steers and then we get in the fire. And as we put all of that together, it allows us such a foundation. You know, I've, I've coined the, the statement that nothing is more detrimental than premature success. And what I mean by that is I'll see a lot of, of young ropers come in and out of the game who they come on and they have this wonderful house of roping and they can they can swing and they can reach and they can throw fast on the corner as healers and they can do all this stuff and they have that one really good horse that they they happen to luck into or whatever happened and this whole deal is going great but you know it's like the parable in the bible their their foundation is sand and as the storms of rodeo come about it starts washing that out and these guys these guys go down um, and, and they have to go back, and it's not that they're done forever, but they have to go back and they have to build that from the ground up the same way as these seasoned veterans who have been doing it for so long have. And my, my point with that is, you know, the foundation that we're talking about in, in the game of team roping, it comes back to those fundamentals. And our, our focus on those fundamentals and our execution of those is strictly and 100 percent, uh, I guess you would say it runs, you know, hand in hand with our success rate in my mind it's going to come back to that and so I think the biggest thing that um, that we're going to try to offer people is um, being able to measure that success and, and like I said find the wins within the losses you know I I debate a little bit with the saying you know win something or learn something um, I think I can win something and learn something I think I can show up at the event I can execute the plan that I had. I can go back, evaluate my execution afterwards. Whether they paid me at the end of the day or not, that was somewhat out of my control. But I can, ex I can evaluate my execution and adjust according to that to help me get closer to the pay window on, on the next opportunity that I have. Right. And I think that's what's going to be so much fun is as you're working on drills on the dummy and, and kind of going through the fundamentals, not only are we going to be talking about the physical skill and, and training our conscious mind, but as well as how to train your subconscious and, and to do these things and so that we can prepare because I, I think one thing that you do really well and we talk about quite often is the ability to go from essentially preparing and working at something to just being able to go use your game plan and right. execute. 
and and I think that is a, that's the biggest challenge I think we see with ropers is they'll go to a school or a mm -hmm. lesson they'll get an overload of information right and when they go rope they're not sure what to focus on yeah and and I think you hit it right there I don't think very many ropers leave home and head to an event and they're like, man, this is gonna suck. I'm gonna <laughs> rope bad this weekend. Everything we did this week shows me that when I get there, my horse is gonna score bad. I'm gonna ride bad. I'm gonna throw terrible loops. I'm gonna be mad the whole time. Yeah. But regularly at the end of the event, I'm as guilty as anyone. Somebody's been called and been like, hey, what you up to? I'm like, oh, I'm headed home from such and such. Well, how did it go? Man, I'm telling you what, I drew bad, I rode bad, I roped bad, I didn't, I was, I didn't even make the short round. But what I do believe happens all the time is guys will put in the preparation and, and yes, your preparation, if it's right, it, it should translate pretty easily, but somehow between the last one you run in your arena and the first one you run for money, there's there's a dilution of the quality something plays a role in there you know sometimes i think that in numbered ropings especially the guys that go early in the roping have a better chance of winning and i think sometimes the the reason for that is especially with a young roper is they show up maybe they had to rush around just a little bit to get ready so they rushed around and they didn't think about anything they didn't ride their horse extra long and do all this extra flexing that they never do at home they just got on, loped him six circles, rode to the box. <clears throat> they didn't ask anybody what the barrier was because nobody else has seen it yet. They watched two burn steers and they backed in the box and they went and did what they came to do. And I've noticed with a lot of the best ropers, when they're watching the roping, they're looking at the conditions. They're not necessarily watching the times. They're not necessarily watching to see how someone else is working the course out there. They're just evaluating, okay, the steers are pretty fresh, so I may need to take one more stride in the corner. And the healer's same way. The steers are pretty fresh. I may need to allow my header to take one more stride in the corner. You know, they're, they're just evaluating the setup so that then they can take the tools that they brought and execute. And I think that's a big thing is what's in your box today? You know what I mean? If you brought a 3 8 inch wrench and it's a 3 quarter inch bolt, don't try to use it on that wrench. Make your 3 8 work. And I think it, it kicks back and forth, but I think regularly when we leave from the last to the first, there's a, there's a transition there. And so one thing for me that's really big pace is when I'm in the practice pen, I only get one first steer. I can go down to the end of my practice and I can say, well, I'm gonna run one more. Well, that one didn't go very good. I wanna run one more. I'm gonna run one more. All right, this was a good one to end on, you know? And I usually don't do that anymore either. I'll run, I'll be like, okay, this is the last one. We're gonna run high teamer or I'm gonna do exactly what I need to do and be done right here. But at the beginning of practice, being sharp, most of the time, if we start the roping wrong, we don't recover. Right. In most cases, if your first steer of the day, you go do it wrong, most of the time we don't recover from that. Um, the first truck that I ever won team roping at that truck roping that weekend, you know, it was back when a lot of the truck ropings were entered 18 times maybe. I mean, entered the max. The, the very first steer of the weekend entered 18 times. If I had messed that steer up, I wouldn't have won the truck because I came back with that partner and placed in the roping. And the very last of my 18 partners, if I had missed that steer up, I wouldn't have won the truck. But now there were probably mistakes in the middle that I could have traded out somehow. But the fact is by the end of the weekend, by catching early and catching late, I ended up at the, at the top of that deal. And there's been stories that went the other way. But the big kicker there, I think, is, is that time frame between and how smoothly we can transition. And a lot of that's gonna come back to putting yourself in the mix. If you're competing once a month or three times a year, you're probably not going to transition quite as well as someone else. But it's even more important for you to have a good plan when you get to the event so that you can just go straight from steer to steer.
Right. And so that's the other thing we're, we're going to be working on is, is the ability to put together a game plan as a header, as a healer, and then to stay within your game plan and yep. to build your run. So right. like for me, it's really relatable as a, as a header. I have a run that I love and yep. it's a one coil shot right. and I've got horses that usually run. Yep. So that's when I'm jackpotting. Right. For the most part, that's my run I go to. Right. And usually within that roping, if I can score well and make mm -hmm. that run, it, it I'll win yep. I can, and I can kind of stay right. within my right. deal. Now there's different situations and ropings like the Lone Star Shootout where yep. you look like you're going to go to two coils yep. a little bit more and you're trying to be more right. aggressive and take more risk. And so that's part of it is being able to know like, hey, this is my scenario and this is the run I need to, to stay and then try to stay within the run and execute because right. if we miss a steer, like for me, if I miss a steer at a one coil shot, I mm -hmm. almost know instantly why. Right. And so it makes it to where the next steer, I know exactly what I need to go to, to rope. And, and I think that that's, that's something that is so important that, uh, that I wanted to really accomplish with X Factor and, and, have you, yeah. and have you doing because building a game plan, building your run and sticking to your run yes, is, is essentially winning. That's, that's exactly where I'm at with it. I, I believe that, I believe you summed it up perfectly. And when you, you know, one thing you said right there <clears throat> that I think will make a lot of sense to people if they will be disciplined in the practice pen and disciplined at the event is when you're making your, your run, when you actually have a run and something goes wrong, you understand, you know, it's like if you built a go-kart from the ground up, you put the tires on there, you put the wheels, you put the wheel bearings, you put the cotter pins in, you put the U-joints and the steering, and you, you put it all on there. When something goes wrong with that go-kart, you're like, oh yeah, I remember. You know, you may know, the, you may know the size of the nut on the tie rod end. You know, like you know that unit, and that's, and that's your deal. So many people have so little discipline in their event right. that when something goes wrong, the guy on the fence has a lot better idea because he had a he had a perspective from a distance. He has a lot better guy than the actual guy that was doing it. Right. <clears throat> and I notice a lot the best guys in the game, they will ask how something looked more often than they're going to ask what did I do wrong. Right. Because they they would like to have a perspective even when they're doing it right. They want to kind of get that that external perspective. And to me, that comes back to the positive and negative thinking more often than not. While, while a lot of times somebody, when they say, what did I do wrong? You could probably tell them one of six things they would believe. And knowing your run, you, you don't necessarily even need to ask people when something goes wrong. I, I suggest it though, I think it's great. I've, I've said, you know, somebody from another event can sit on the fence and tell a team roper what they did wrong when, when they're observing the run. And it's not, that's not a given. But but I love where you're at is if you actually have your run and you identify that as this is me, this is who I am, this is how I do it, then it's going to be much easier for you to come back and say, well, I'm going to make this adjustment or I'm going to make that adjustment to, to avoid or to mitigate this problem. And more often than not, when something happens at an event, if you're focused on what you're supposed to be doing and you make a mistake um, or rather something weird happens, you can just X that out. You may not even need to go watch that video. Something weird happened, we're going to let it go. It's not going to happen again today or this week or this month. Now, when we are starting to have a, per, a higher percentile, like this is happening 20% of the time, we've got to figure out what's going on here, and we actually need to you know, mitigate or eliminate that error. Right. <coughs> so step one into creating consistency and a game plan, what do you say it is for a healer? To me, step one is a knowledge of the technique. We have to know what we're doing. Right. You know, when we go to horsemanship, our horse has to know his job. Right. We have to know our job as the rider of said horse. <clears throat> one horse that I have, the biggest thing you've got to do is leave the bridle alone. And I need to know that. I need to know that I can trust that horse to make the corner if I'll get out of her face. Vice versa, I've got another horse where I know that I need to get that horse's nose tip to the left and elevate the left shoulder coming through the corner. So step one is the knowledge of the technique. I have to know <clears throat> what my job is on this particular run. <clears throat> so I think that's really Excuse important me, for, uh, for healers to understand and, and know this. Buddy's NFR qualifier, and that is his 
game plan on his horses. And that's basically, you know, you talk about riding your good horse X. Yes, sir. And you told, you know, you described it earlier how he rides. Mm -hmm. So to me, for us to build our our foundation of our run is we need to know how to ride our horse right. and set him up for a high percentage shot. I agree totally. So that is the biggest thing is four step one is yes, how sir. we can do that. And so that's what, what we're going to be working on with, with our kind of our teachings and, yep. and the coaching as well and how to how to put that in in place and that's kind of something that we wanted to provide that was really unique is with our coaching and things like that where you send in your runs and have them critiqued right is you're going to have access to x-factor has by far the best videos Absolutely. out there and so we're going to be able to send you those or you'll be able to watch other videos of guys right. and how they're setting it up and because there's so many different horses and right. how they work but yeah the one thing that's pretty common is the positioning between the Correct. headers are pretty similar and the healers yep. are pretty similar. I agree. There are some variables, yep. but it is the foundation of it is really there for, especially for what you want to do. And so exactly. that's where I think this is going to fit in nicely. Well, and what I, what I love about X Factor, is you're taking it from A to Z. You're taking it from I think I want to be a team roper to the national finals rodeo. And in an order to do that, we can categorize it as position swing and delivery, and we can subcategorize, and we can do this, and we can do that. But you're giving people the knowledge of the technique. And then what I love that I think what we're going to be able to do is we're going to be able to critique exactly what, what they have going on, and then we're going to be able to help them execute that. And I think that is the thing that team roping has lacked for years is so few people actually know how to execute what they know how to do. Right. Well, and execute on what you know how to do, and, and I kind of want to bring it back to something, uh, the technique. Mm -hmm. So what you said it earlier, what did I do wrong or what does it look like? <clears throat> right. And, and that's what you hear with so many low number people. What am I doing wrong here? How can I fix this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So focus on the negative. We're not, we're not really wanting to do that. We're wanting to say, hey, this is what we think was correct. This is where right. you can fix your technique. Mm -hmm. Watch this video of Charlie Crawford. Watch this exactly. video of Clay Smith, and you can see these guys doing it in slow motion, doing it in real time as well and and back that and it's the same thing for the healing you can right. watch yourself you can watch other healers and it, it just kind of reassures the how to make it look and how to make it feel like the best guys in the world are doing it and that's that's right. what I love about how we try to improve technique and uh, and I think it's uh, it's just a nice foundation to have because you right. can scale it however you want well I think the fact is you're either getting better at your roping or you're getting worse you're getting better at your riding, you're getting worse, your horse is performing better, or he's performing worse. You know, we live we live in a world where <clears throat> things are gonna deteriorate if we're not focused on them, we're not working on them, we're not making those things better. And at any level of your roping, <coughs> excuse me, you're going to have um, you're gonna have highs and you're going to have lows. And you may be working the hardest you've ever worked and winning the least. I think that's where it's so important that we can identify, hey, I'm, I am roping better. I am roping better. I'm right. finding these successes in what I'm doing, and I know at the end of this deal, I'm going to be successful. And so learning the knowledge of the technique and then the application of that knowledge is, is taking you to the point that, that you can actually do it and then taking that into competition. And that's, you know, at the end of the day, whether we're doing this to make money, whether we're doing this to win money, whether we're doing it for the fame or for the fortune, or everybody has their their goals and their ideas and their wins. But what I think is so crucial there is um, we're do all doing it because we love it. You know, like the deal is surely we're smart enough to do something <laughs> else. Surely this isn't the only thing we're capable of. Um, and and that's a big thing that's that I've realized in the last couple years of my career. Um, is man i i can do a lot of different things and i might make more money doing something else honestly but i'm not willing to exchange the joy of this event for any amount of of, of funds or a, or a fancy house or whatever else you know i'm doing okay. this deal because i love it and and so when we if we can if we can get to that that point um, I think that's truly that's really where the winning is at. You know, the winning is in is in the enjoyment of the progress.
Right. So, buddy, uh, I agree with that completely. Um, when we were talking about this earlier, you say you like to do things in threes. Yeah. And so that's what I was thinking for our teaching. Right. And, uh, you know, first we have our, our game plan and, yep. and being able to right. execute and making sure that we are we can build our run. The yep. second part is our technique. Yep. So if we need to tweak things within our swing or our delivery right. and, and work on our conscious self, yep. I think that is hugely important. But third, to, to winning, this is so important, and I think this is the hardest balance that uh, everyone has yep. is being able to shut off our conscious mind right. and let our subconscious take over in competition and I think that is one of the keys to becoming a true winner so that like for example I'm high call at the World Series finale and yep. in my practice I've been working on my right. swing the whole week before yeah. that yeah when I clear the box if all I'm focused on is my swing right and I'm not focused on how to set my horse up for yep. a right shot right there's a good chance if that steer doesn't run a perfect pattern, right. I might find myself in a bad position. And and yep. so this is what I wanted to talk to you about was, you know, how to train your subconscious, when to turn it on and when to turn it off. And right. that's something we're going to accomplish through the drills as well. But this is, yeah. I wanted to know how you just did it in general. Yeah. So I, I think that's unbelievable. And I actually probably didn't hear about, uh, I actually probably didn't hear it put like that until a couple of years ago. And I, and I've done a lot of research. Like I said, the, the mental side of sports um, has the least amount of time and, and money um, invested in it and, and actually plays the biggest role. I mean, you can talk to all the biggest competitors in the world and, and um, you know, when you start naming names in sports or in team roping, um, what you're going to name are some mental warriors, you know. Right. These very seldom is the best athlete in, in basketball the MVP at the finals, you know. Very seldom is, is the... Uh, very seldom is the guy that can can reach the furthest in the heading, um, or the guy that uh, can throw the fastest in the healing, the world champion at the end of the year. Um, and and my point for that, and it's not that reaching is bad, and it's not that throwing fast is bad, but it is when we start putting the earnings on there. It's the guys who can show up every day and execute, and the guys that stay within their plan. And so. Um, to me, I, I handle that a couple different ways, Pace, and it depends on where I'm at with my roping at that time. So one year at the Feist, I may be thinking just a little different than I am at another year. Um, to tell someone to, to switch their brain off is probably kind of like telling your three-year-old, go to sleep. Right. Go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. Or even me telling myself at, <laughs> at 30, so, go to sleep, you know, I'm laying down at eight o'clock and I'm going to go right to sleep. Well. Can you turn your brain off? Well, well, no. I, I love it when I ask somebody, "What are you thinking about?" And they say, "Nothing." You know, well, were you really thinking about nothing, or were you thinking about something? I mean, I know now you're thinking about something, but were you thinking about nothing? And I can't physically think of nothing, but but what I can do is I can come back to, and that's where I like to break down when it, when it comes to the the subconscious mind, which is which is what we really need when we're performing because the subconscious mind is is I like to think about it more as hibernated you know you can poke the bear and he'll wake up but but he's relaxed and to me what that's going to come back to more often than not is it's going to come back to to a level of identity as in you know um, do do I do I deserve to be here and do I deserve to win um, have have I put in the preparation basically that's the question in, in deserving is you deserve it if you've prepared um, and then it's um, what was I thinking about when I was preparing for this event. So when I run high team or somewhere, like I said, I, it depends on the horse, it depends on the scenario, it depends on my partner. You know, there's several factors that are going to come into play. Because with one partner, I might need to be thinking about getting my rope up and getting to the end of it. And then with another partner, you know, I probably need to be thinking about keeping my spacing and being patient. This guy has never left me hung out to dry, but a few times. I've come in there too hot and I've got too close to the cow. And then I think where, we, where we're going to come to after that, after we've decided, you know, I've put in the preparation so I have the confidence and then I, I have the knowledge of the technique and I also have identified with the factors here, you know, the obstacles that are against me, you know, I can overcome them. Then it comes back to effort. And I think that to me is how I can handle my mind and um, certain events require more effort than others. Most of the biggest money places actually require you to be kind of chill. Right. They don't require you to just try really hard. 
You know, when somebody uses the term, I'm going to bear down and catch this one, it always blows my mind because I'm like, well, what have you been doing all day when you were, <laughs> when, you know, were you not bearing down or were you bearing down? If you were bearing down and it wasn't working, then let's not bear down more. And if you weren't bearing down and it wasn't working, you know, the, the inversion of that. But my point with that is where we're probably going to perform at our best is about 70 or 80% output. Right. And that's what's so hard for people to tap into is to go through the chain of thoughts required to simplify it and, and, and condense it more or less down to just one thing that I'm going to think about during the run and then to execute that thing. You know, I, I won the BFI a few years ago and, and you know, I, I literally, I remember riding the box and it's, it's just interesting how those things will stick with you for years, but uh, we drew one of two bad steers on the herd and as I'm riding in the box, I knew the steer and, uh, um, I'm pretty sure it was 9 and 21 to win the roping is what we had as high callback. And I just remember telling myself, you know, 9 and 21 on the on the running red Hereford, you know. Um, and uh, so I rode in there, but at, at that time, the horse that I was riding, man, he didn't need a lot of riding. And, and, and it was one of those, the more I rode, sometimes in the short round, it would be easy for me to override him and he didn't work as good. Um, so it's one of those deals, you know, on him, it was really about just, just watch the feet of the steer. You know, just watch the back feet of the steer. He's gonna get you in the best spot you can be in. And uh, and I knew like that steer, he really ran hard. He ducked his head a little bit when you headed him and he ran the rope as fast as he could possibly go. And so it was just a big thing to me on that particular run um, was get a good start. Don't I, He doesn't need to be going off to the right where he's gonna be hard to head and uh, get to the end of it and, and get like, third place at that rope and pays a ton of money. So it wasn't it wasn't about winning the roping the whole time, but it was between me and the cow. And I think more often than not, when in, if somebody says, hey, you know, <clears throat> what do you think about? Well, if I get to that position in the clutch play, if I get to that position, I've already won the event all day. Right. I was the best roper. It wasn't not, not that I was the best roper. Other people drew bad, other people's partners missed, whatever happened. But I've, what I've been doing was working, so I'm going to change nothing. And so I'm just, I just go back. It's like putting your favorite song on repeat. I'm just going to go back through those same motions. I may lope my horse exactly three circles around the warm-up arena like I did all day, et cetera, et cetera. Or I may not, but the fact is the chain of thoughts that I'm going to try to put in there are going to be the same. And <clears throat> there's been barrel horses trained in arenas or pastures where they never worked the ground. And they would take that horse and they would walk him around the barrels and they'd walk him out and they'd take him and they'd walk him around the barrels and they'd walk him out and he made the exact same pattern every single time and just like your cows when you turn them out to pasture and you suck them up and they all run through the cow trail across the pasture over the river through the woods to come eat it's the same thing and I believe there are channels in our brain that function exactly the same way the more I use these four thoughts in this row the easier it is it works the same way with getting upset in traffic. You'll see some human beings who are the nicest person in the world, and when they get in and they start driving, they start freaking out. And they freak out and they freak out and they freak out, and then they get done driving and they're good. And the next time they get in and drive, they freak out, they freak out, they freak out, and then they're good. And I believe it's the exact same thing with competition. There are guys, and that's why I don't believe in slumps, I don't believe in heaters, I don't believe in clutch play. I believe you either execute the plan or you don't and that's how complicated it is I either go through the right chain of thoughts and it works or I go through the wrong chain of thoughts and it works or I go through the right chain and it doesn't and I know I'm it's silly to put it like that but the fact is I'm not gonna go through the wrong chain of thoughts I may come up short at the end maybe somebody out ropes me outdraws me but the fact is I'm gonna go through these chain of thoughts and that's what works for me so I'm not I'm not going to turn it off like I, I don't I never tell somebody don't think and it'll work for you, you know, but I'll say here, think about this, this, and this and see how that works. Right. So this is the other thing with that too, buddy. And for, for everyone listening, that's going to move forward with the coaching and, or, and just improving their mental, their mental game, start writing down what you were thinking going into the box Right. and in competition, um, at home, maybe even when you're roping the dummy, mm -hmm. write it down if you have to yep. and see what your thought process is on, see where right. it's similar. 
And that's something that, you know, that then for they can send you the run like, hey, this is yeah. a situation I was at. This is what I did. This is where my mind was at. Yeah. What should I have done? And then you can show the other previous runs and it's like, okay, this is what was different. Yeah. I let my horse do this during the run right. and I didn't react like I did on the first three. Yeah. And, and so that can just be a lack of mental discipline that we right. can help build that foundation with. And that's, so that's something that we're really trying to, to nail down is how you can teach yourself, A, like what is my mind? Right. What, what you know? How to rule your emotions? How to rule exactly. your thoughts? How yep. to how to create mental consistency? And that's essentially what mental game is: is be able to get your body to have the same performance yeah. over and over again. The mind is a muscle. Yep. Many people believe they don't have control over their mind. They believe that they believe that the mind runs around wild and free, and every now and then you you decide to think about something, but that's about it. Um, but the mind's not a wild child. The mind is, is a muscle, and, and when left alone, yes, it's going to roam wild and free, but um, when we choose to put our mind to something and consistently put it to something and put it to something and put it to something, we start to see <coughs> that our mind naturally goes that direction. You know, It's the same thing. I'm not going to expect to curl 150 pounds by curling zero pounds for a long time. I'm, I'm going to start at a weight that I can that I can do that's going to allow me to build that and I'm going to work my way into the heavier weights. <clears throat> I think it's the same thing with our mind. I need to go through a chain of thoughts and you know that's that's where I think a lot of a lot of people you know I, I'll hear think people talking about their kids rope the dummy and learning bad habits and this and that and the other and, and I'm not saying that they can't because you can you can learn to do it wrong but <clears throat> what I believe is you know if just like you said, if you would go to the practice pen and you would write down, here is what I here's what I'm going to think about, and you would just review that note and do it, and review that note and do it, and review. Before long, maybe it's not working, but it's consistently not working for you, and we can make a tweak. Right. What I believe happens more often than not is people show up to the practice pen, they show up to prepare with no plan. They wait till the wheels come off, and then they fix what's broken, and by the end of that, they actually haven't really improved but they got worse and they came back to where they were right if we show up with a plan and we execute that plan and it doesn't work we can tweak on the plan the next day and we can execute and it's going to work or within a few days it's going to work but if we show up with nothing and we're just waiting for something to go wrong it will at some point it will go wrong and then we've got to fix what's broken right and uh just something right quick for everyone to think about uh, and I'm this is something I've done for myself is if I need to work on something specific with my roping when I go to the practice pen that's what I work on right. for X amount of days till yep. I feel like I can do it without thinking yep. and, and I do not care how many steers I miss doing yeah. it. if I feel like I did what I was working on yeah that's a catch to me that's a win to me that's what I was supposed to be doing yeah and then when I eventually start getting the run to feel good again then I know like, hey, I put this foundation on and that's what makes right. it so unique. It goes back to the mental aspects is then I don't have to worry about that when I'm in competition. Yes, I don't sir. have to focus on that part of my swing. And and so yeah. this is uh, kind of the next thing and, and it's something just to give everyone a little bit of a background with you, buddy, because you and I are like, we, I feel like we've met in kind of the same, we're in the same spot as far right. as, you know, you study the mental game, yep. um, you, you do a lot of research on it, uh, mm -hmm. I'm always, I always have an audio book going right, right. At, all year round, I never stop with that, um, yep. you're the same way, but you consider yourself a person that was not very talented growing right. up and, right. and really lacking there where I, I don't, like myself, I don't know how much talent I have, but I know like I could watch someone shoot jumpers and then right. I could have a good jump shot. Yeah. I can watch someone play ping pong and then I could work on it for a little bit and play ping pong pretty good. Yeah. And uh, and when it really jumped out to me where my I felt like I had a lot of natural talent and mm -hmm. I never backed it right. was with my healing. And my healing has gotten better in the last four or five years yep. and I haven't worked on it at all. Right. Except for right. like maybe one month out of the year yep. I will get ready to heal at the World Series finale and I will right. be ready to go. Yep. And, and what it made me realize is, man, if I, A, if I work hard with my heading, right. and that's what I've tried to get with my heading, right. and really establish a foundation, that will get me there. But exactly. I rode too much talent for too long, and right. it cost me a lot of money. Yeah. And it cost me being probably where I want to be with my heading. Right. And um, 
And so that's something now I'm learning with the work, with the mental game and how yep. they flow together. Uh, for you, it's kind of the exact opposite. You exactly. know, you, you, I feel like you've gotten to a really high level of roping, higher, much higher than I have, but you've done it where a lot of guys were way better than you yeah. at a young age. So I kind of, tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, so I, I think one of the things, um, I mean, just to sum it up, if, if somebody comes to me as a, as a genuine beginner and they say, hey, what's it take to get to your level? Or what's it take to team rope? Or what, you know, <clears throat> they're, they're a true beginner. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through a list. I'm going to say, well, you know, get with the right people, get the right type of a horse, set yourself up with good practice, and work at it, you know. Um, <clears throat> of those three things, the only thing I had going for me was work at it when I started. Um, because uh, the the opportunities, you know, there were no websites 19 years ago. You right. know, like that's the deal. When I started roping, there was there was no website. Um, so I would get some videos, many of which were outdated, um, and and I would just do it. Like I didn't have a lot of video references. Later in my roping, I started getting. You know, we got out the camcorder and the VHS and the adapter, and we oh yeah <laughs> went back and forth. And so we started learning that way. I you know. And, and not that I was totally self-taught, because I had some people around, but a lot of the people around me were, were really beginners themselves. You know, they were lower level ropers that roped in the summers and turned their horses out and pulled their shoes off in the winter. And so, um, and then I, I would get on a, a colt that, that, you know, most of them I was lucky enough had some potential to be a rope horse, but they knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about it. We're gonna go learn together. I'm 14, 15 years old. I didn't have control of my mind or my emotions. So exactly what we're talking about if I roped good in the practice pen, I was going to dilute all of that with adrenaline before I got there. And so it was seldom that I actually did good when I competed somewhere. Um, but what I believe that's done for me, Pace, is that I believe I've had to work through everything. I had a terrible swing. I had terrible horsemanship, terrible posture. Um, and, I, and I lost every single time. Um, but, but I had no quit, you know, and, and I, would, I would take all of those things back to have no quit because um, I just kept working on it and kept working on it. And um, so, so now what it's taken me to, and, and I don't, you know, um, I'm not big on comparing myself to the rest of the world, but at the level that I'm at now, I'm very competitive at the highest level of the sport. Um, I'm not the best, but I'm, I'm gaining. And what I, what I believe though is everything below where I'm at right now, if, if I hit a roadblock, this is a very short time that I'm going to rope poorly before I can make that adjustment and get back because I've already made all the mistakes I think can be made. I've made the leaning mistake. I've made the sitting down mistake. I've made the swinging too high and I've made the swinging too low mistake. I've, I've made the mistakes of, of delivering like that or delivering like that. And so it only takes me an instance to identify, as you were saying earlier, I know my game really well and I know the things that I need to do to take me to, to the next level. Um, and so if something happens to back me up, it's only for a short amount of time. And I believe that's, that's a strength for me. Um, what you're saying, a lot of people learn like, like you do too. A lot of people, it was, it was more monkey see, monkey do. Saw it, yeah, I can do that, and they did it. Um, didn't work so easy for me, um, but we can both play that to our advantage now. Right. Well, buddy, I think that's, I mean, that kind of sums it up as far as what we're going to be doing, how we're going to be moving forward with it, uh, three major things that we're going to be working. Your numbers guy, I like to do things in like three, it. but, you know, kind of that foundation, right. the fundamentals yes, of uh, our run. Yep. And then the mechanics, if there's things that we need to tweak within it. Exactly. And then the ability to actually compete and, and right. kind of take those two things yep. and let our subconscious if you will yeah run us yeah in the yeah. in competition and so that's kind of something we're, we're trying to establish with our mental game if I could sum it up with the with the mental side of it you know it's it's a lot like um, you know we show up at, at, at a shop and I'm building a competitor right I'm I am building someone to send out into the into the arena and win the roping yep. And then when I send that from the practice pen to the competition arena, um, I have to have a level of trust. I have to trust that what I have built, what I've trained my, my man to do, um, that he's going to execute. And I have to back off a little bit and, and allow that to happen. <clears throat> Just like in the practice pen, I'll put a certain level of pressure on myself. But the fact is, <clears throat> it's never going to be the pressure that is going to show up at the Bob Fife Invitational or the National Finals Rodeo. I'll put a certain level of pressure on myself. Then I have to trust 
<clears throat> just like when you build a bottle jack in an assembly line somewhere and it's meant to, to jack up 10 tons, you know, they can test it in the shop and then they put it in the field and they expect that to work. It's the very same thing with us. We build someone who is competitive, who can make competitive level runs at home. We send it to the arena and we have to trust that that's going to work. We can't apply more than 10 tons to the bottle jack and expect it to work when we get there. Right. And uh, that's what's going to be so much fun is, uh, it, you know, we get so many questions on the mental game and so right. many questions on it. And by no means are any of us learned doctors, right. if you will, <laughs> but that we've experienced so much of it yeah. firsthand in applying it. And, uh, and I think it'll be cool because it's just like that. If you're a person that wants to read books or listen to podcasts, yeah. uh, you're going to be willing to, to say, Hey, study this, this aspect and, and kind of, exactly. and can work on things like that. And, and as well as our foundation of what we have as right. a roper. Well, and one thing from the mental side of it, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to put anybody down in their education and what they've chose to do, but, you know, a, a lot of times the people that can do and the people that can't teach, and, and please take that very cautiously as I say that because I, I don't mean anything bad to people who've chosen education, but, but what I mean there is um, we're applying these techniques right now. And we're, we're trying and testing these. I'm putting my hard-earned money on the line to buy diesel fuel and to buy rigs and to buy horses and to go down the road. And the only thing I'm going to have to show for it is how much I can win at the end of this deal. And so if that doesn't work, I'm, I'm going to prove myself wrong to the whole industry and vice versa. You know, The successes that I'm having are evidence of these techniques. Because like I said, you like I don't believe there's such a thing as clutch player or there's such a thing as choking but if if I did believe that I choked every single time not sometimes every single time that I almost got to the end and did good I choked <clears throat> and I've choked so much I, I figured out what that was I figured out what triggers that what why do why do people black out when they get in those situations so I've had the opportunity like I said to learn the hard way so to speak and <clears throat> basically the whole point of X Factor, the whole point of the education in any industry <clears throat> is shortcuts. You know, it's if the board game is Candyland and there's a cut across right here on this bridge, um, we're going to try to offer that to people so that they don't have to go 14 steps to make it two steps. Right. They can take these two steps and that's going to get you closer to where you would like to be. You know, if people aren't wanting to get better, they're not, they're not going to take the time to learn it in the first place. So everybody that's here is investing their time and that's the resource we can't get back. We'll make more money, we'll get more horses and more rigs, but we only have so much time and if we can help other people cut across, make a shortcut, improve their game from the lessons that I learned over years and I can tell somebody in a couple of minutes, it's that's unbelievable. And the same thing, I'm just learning at this stage of my life that so many lessons that I have yet to learn, I can learn the same way. If I'll go out there and seek those mental sources, you know, people who are gurus, people who have actually executed in their field. And I'm not saying there aren't experts who were never competitive, but I really appreciate learning from people. Um, you know, Lanny Bassam has a book that, that we've both read, <clears throat> you know, um, a marksman, you know, you want to talk about pressure. He literally sits perfectly still in a chair, seated, poised, wherever he's at and fires a gun one shot, one time, you know, that's a lot of pressure. Um, and to learn how to handle it and to go through the steps that he went through, you know, I can trust that what he's put down on paper is, is true because he did it. He went, he set all kinds of records and, and won the championship. And their, their national finals is every four years, you know, to win the Olympic gold medal. You shoot a target for four years in a row and then one shot will make or break the gold medal at the end. Right. And uh, that, so that's what we want to do is apply essentially battle-tested techniques that, you know, you're using. Right that you're preparing with and have prepared with and and other guys that have kind of helped you along the way or what you've yep. learned and, and kind of how we're we're all doing this. And that, I think right. that's that's what's gonna be so unique about this and what's got me so excited about it. I love it. All right, cool. Well, thanks again, buddy. Thank you.